welcome to I'll Marry You, a podcast with me, Olivia Coleman, full of tips and tricks from the UK wedding scene, interviews with industry experts, and a whole lot of oversharing. Good morning. Good morning. I really had to work myself up for that, so I hope you appreciate it. <laughs> Feeling on the cusp, on the cusp of illness. It's just, you know, it's that time of year, isn't it? Everyone's got something, haven't they? And that you feel a little bit poorly, but you don't want to give in. And then you get drunk, you know, oh, so accidental. And then you feel worse and then you get drunk again. It's Christmas. Do you know what I mean? It's Christmas. Less than two weeks to go. Hmm? How are we all feeling? Feeling festive? I've done, actually, I've done quite a lot of my Christmas shopping, but that's because I'm incredibly organised. And as is, I think, maybe I'm being too bold to suggest, but I believe as is as is the way in most male female relationships slash slash marriages. Um, I I do I do it all. I I do it all <laughs> in life, but also I mean Christmas shopping. I buy all the presents for everyone, and then on Christmas Day, sort of just you know receives the the appreciation and and thanks. So oh my God, Liv James, thank you so much. This is the most beautiful gift. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I put a lot of thought into that. Did you? Did you, my darling? Or did you just discover what that gift was as that recipient opened it? But you know, that is all part of the joy of the festive season. (laughs) Did you watch? Spoiler alert. I had the most wonderful Sunday night just gone. I mean, what is better but but a glass of wine, a takeaway, and the most wonderful three TV programmes in succession. So I watched the Strictly results um, of the quarter... No, semi-finals. Oh, my God. And then an audience with Kylie, you know, Minogue, not Jenna, although I would have watched that one as well. The best thing I think about an audience with shows is watching the other celebrities in the audience, like dancing, like they're normal people. Um, also, it's just coming to me, but I, I probably have said this to you before... I believe that one day I will have my own audience with. Now, to say where that will be held and how many people will attend, I don't know. And I don't want to be presumptuous. It could just be my family. But I would really enjoy sort of a a smorgasbord of um, talent on stage. You know, I'll sing, I'll dance, I'll recite poetry. Um, I think that an audience with Olivia Coleman. I mean, it's not the oddest thing to have heard, is it? <laughs> Even if that's not me, Olivia Coleman. I digress. Anyway, and then I'm a celeb. I'm a celeb final. And spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Sam won, as he should, because he's bloody brilliant. And now, what on earth am I going to watch every evening? I'm going to have to converse with my husband. Real downhill. Oh, I'm sounding like an old, miserable old married woman, aren't I? It's terrible at this time of year. No, I adore him. I absolutely love him, love him, love him, love him so much. Anywho, this week's episode is a gorgeous one that I re-recorded, pre-recorded from um, the summer. And it's story time, story corner. And it's about this wonderful wedding that I not only celebrated, (laughs) but uh, coordinated. So I will leave you to listen to me a couple of months ago where I was not on the cusp of illness and a few pounds lighter. Shall we begin? So I just went 
into uh, the Tesco's to get some bits and pieces and the woman said, oh, darling, you sound awful. Have you got a cold? No, you nosy Karen. This is just how I sound when I've been working my tits off all bloody weekend. I didn't say that to her. But I have been working my tits off all bloody weekend. I have had the most wonderful time and I want to tell you all about it. So this weekend I went to the wedding. I was at the wedding. I was working the wedding of Laura and Peter and it was just the most wonderful day. So I met them not even that long ago, actually. She is from Australia and he is from Ireland, but they live in London with their two beautiful children. And they've been together quite a long time. They've got two kids. They've got a house. They're basically married, right? For all intents and purposes, they're already wed. They've done it all. They've, they've got kids, for heaven's sake. That's the biggest challenge to any relationship. And they, they still love each other. It's wonderful. But they wanted to uh, make things official. However, they did want to do it super low-key, really relaxed, nothing too formal or traditional. And so when Peter got in touch with me, um, he was explaining all this and he, he was coming to me as the celebrant, Olivia Coleman, Olivia Coleman celebrant. Um, and I was explaining to him what that involved and all that jazz. And then sort of towards the end of the conversation, he said, he explained that the, the wedding was going to be at Laura's sister's house, just outside Bath, so super close to me. Um, and it was going to be a full on sort of DIY, marquee in a field, really chilled out kind of thing. And I said, do you have a planner? And he said, no. And I said, do you have a coordinator? And he said, no. And I said, Peter, 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 you must, you must have a coordinator. And I can do that. Okay. I'm going to be there anyway to do the ceremony. And it, I, I can come early and I can stay late and I can do everything else. But honest to God, trust me when I say, if you were getting married at home, doing a DIY style wedding, then you have got to have a coordinator because otherwise everything falls on you and it is just too much. It takes away the enjoyment of the day. So I, I gave him my sales pitch. <laughs> um, and he totally understood. What was funny in hindsight was that on the on the morning of the wedding, Laura said to me, you know, when Peter told me we booked you for coordinating as well, I thought, no, we don't need her. <laughs> Brutal. Um, but then at the end of the day, she was like, thank God you were here. I was like, thank you. I told you so, for heaven's sake. So it was a brilliant day. I was very excited about it. I knew it was going to be a long one. Generally speaking, when I coordinate a wedding for the whole day, it's sort of at least a 12-hour shift, at least, depending on, on the form and the timings and the itinerary and, and all the rest of it. It is such a different ball game when the wedding is an at-home wedding as opposed to an at-venue wedding. Totally different thing. So I was excited. The day before, the weather was absolutely bloody horrific. Now, I'm pre-recording this, so we're in August at the moment. And you'd expect, even in England, do you know what I say to people when they're like, oh, we, we're going to get married in the summer because we're a bit nervous about the weather, but I think it's going to be okay. And I am always try and comfort them and say, oh, do you know what, even if it rains, it won't be cold. It was cold. It was so cold. <laughs> it was like autumn. Um, the day before was horrible. It was raining and it was grey and it was miserable. I had to turn the bloody lights on in my car, didn't I? Because it was so gloomy. But I had high hopes for Saturday itself and I woke up and it was glorious sunshine, actually. And it was a little breezy, but in a nice way, you know, a little wind. 
and um, it was t it was going to turn out to be just the most perfect weather. So I got to the venue for 10 a.m. Um, I arrived and it was this incredible farmhouse, but sort of ginormous, but, and I don't, hope they don't mind me saying, because it's true, sort of dilapidated is a bit aggressive. And also not even sure that's the right word to use. Run down sounds rude. Um, but basically, um, the bride's sister and her husband and kids, they bought this place to do it up. It was a doer-upper, this house, but it was on a farm. Um, they had chickens, they had cockerels, they had a dog. It was just, it was all very, it was like an Enid Blyton novel. They had kids running around, the most beautiful kids running around joyfully, you know, skipping. And um, and so the marquee was set up in the field that the garden backed onto. So actually to get from the marquee back through the field, through the garden to the house was a, a fair trek, at least a two minute walk, which doesn't sound like much. But when you do it 1700 times, steps really add up. Do you know what I mean? So I get there at 10 a.m. on the day of the wedding and Laura and Peter and, and Laura's sister Kate that are there and they're so lovely. I hadn't actually met them in person yet. We'd had several Zooms and we'd been WhatsApping and things. So I felt like I knew them, but it's always slightly different when I don't meet my couples in person before the day. Um, but I got there and they were setting up and it was starting to look good. But there was, I'm not going to lie, there were boxes everywhere. Um, they'd had to hire in everything. It really literally was just a field. So we had portaloos, we had a generator that was powering everything. The marquee was gorgeous, actually. It was sort of a, um, a oval-shaped marquee with um, clear sides the whole way around rather than just some of it. Um, and so that was really lovely, these two great big poles in the middle and fairy lights and festoon lights everywhere. And the floor was, um, it wasn't carpeted or anything. It was it was laid, but it was more rustic. The whole thing was super low-key. So the tables were all wooden trestle tables, just left bare. And wooden folding chairs sort of just dotted around the space. And the flowers they had bought in from a, a local florist, but they had done themselves. And they were sort of all wild flowers. It looked like they had just been plucked from the garden and popped into these vases and there was sort of all different shaped vases and 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 wine bottles with flowers in and and jugs with flowers in and it was so random and natural and it was so beautiful it was really really pretty and you know what because it was a marquee in the middle of the field in the middle of nowhere it would have looked strange if it was sort of white linen tablecloths and candelabras you know it wouldn't have fitted but this just looked so natural and so pretty. And then just outside the marquee, they had sort of arranged more trestle tables and, and great big old beer barrels with parasols. So to create sort of an outdoor seating chill out area. And that was fab. And then further on in the distance <laughs> it was a big field. Uh, further on in the distance was the ceremony space. So they had laid out um, wooden benches facing this incredible old oak tree um and it was it was just absolutely beautiful and the the bride Laura and her sister had created an archway they'd done it themselves with these gorgeous wildflowers um that was going to go up so 
I got there and it was sort of, it started to be done, but it, there was a lot of unpacking to do, a lot of sorting to do, you know, putting the plates out, the cutlery, the crockery, setting up the bar. They bought all the booze in themselves. So that was organising all that, um, connecting all the kegs, making sure the glasses were out. It was, there was a lot to do. Um, but everyone sort of mucked in and it was a really fun atmosphere because they had their kids running around and friends sort of coming and going. And then at about midday, I said to Laura and Peter, look, you go, okay, I'm here for a reason. <laughs> I don't know what that is. No, I'm here to do this. This is what I'm here to do. This is what I'm here to help you with. So you go, you go and relax and get ready and just chill out. Um, and the makeup and hair lady arrived for Laura. She was fab. And so she went upstairs to start getting ready. Peter left to go to um, his Airbnb down the road and meet the lads. And I think they're going to go to the pub. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, four teenage boys turned up. Now, I, they didn't, boys, you know, boys. <laughs> I'm 30 bloody five. And if I'm honest, one of them was 15. I could have been his mother. But I said to the girls, I was like, bloody hell, girls, teenagers didn't look like that in my day. Do you know what I mean? Such a perv. I felt perverted. <laughs> Bless them. They were so sweet and they were actually really good. So it was one of those things. I don't know if you've heard of this, but this actually happens a lot out in the sticks. If you're getting married at home or having an event, it's literally like, oh, I know someone whose son will do it and he'll get his mates in and you pay them if I'm honest, next to nothing, but they do an all right job and it's just an easy way of, of getting staff in. So that's what happened. So the friend of a friend of a son's of a friend. Um, so these four teenage boys turned up and I was like, hi, I'm a li I was trying to be all professional, not like a 35 year old pervert. I was like, oh, hi boys. So I'm Olivia. I'm in charge. I'm running the day, captain of the ship, you know, basically just do whatever I say. And, um, they were very sweet, but because we had worked so hard in the morning, there was a lull. So there wasn't much to do. So for about an hour, there was there was nothing to do. I didn't know what to do with them. They were just stood. Um, they kept complaining about being hungry, but of course they hadn't driven themselves, so they couldn't go and get anything. And we were in the middle of nowhere. There weren't any shops they could walk to. Um, but, you know, teenage boys, if anything, very resourceful. They were hungry, so they ordered pizzas to be delivered. <laughs> I tell you, I had to tell them to clean up 10 times in one minute later on. But if they wanted food, they were going to get food. Then they were resourceful. So they got some pizzas delivered. So that gave them the energy they needed. And then, But there was nothing to do for this hour. So I ended up... <laughs> I ended up basically walking around the marquee, watching four teenage lads down on all fours tidying the marquee floor, like picking up foliage and flowers and things. It was very Mrs. Robinson. And I I still don't know if I feel completely comfortable with it, but it happened, you know, and it was a job that had to be done. Bless their hearts. So they were doing that. And then the suppliers started to turn up. So uh, we had West Coast Pizza, who were Ashley and Emma. And they have got this amazing pizza van, pizza truck. It's like really, they've only been going a year and it's really cool and really nice and fresh. It all looks very clean inside the truck, which I like. And they do weddings and events, but they also do um, sort of street food, literally food on the street. 
uh, in Wick near Bristol. And um, they were setting up to serve pizzas and salads later on to the guests. And they were fab. They were such a lovely team. They were so, so sweet and really professional and just really on the ball. They were brilliant. So definitely West Coast Pizza if you're looking for something more relaxed for your wedding or event. So they rocked up. They just started to set up and do their thing. And then um, Jack and T, who were our musicians for the day, um, Jack and Tina, a married couple, but also uh, they, they play together. <laughs> <laughs> musically old tinker um they were brilliant so they started to set up and if i'm honest because there was only two of them i thought is this music going to be super acoustic-y and not really have much oomph because there was only two of them rather than a full band but they were bloody brilliant they were absolutely brilliant and again super professional so they were going to play for the ceremony and then a little bit in the drinks and then in the evening so they were there all day so they turned up and they set up both inside Marquee and also down by the ceremony um, set up down by the oak tree. So they got on with what they were doing. I was waiting on the last supplier, Paul, the magician. No one had heard from him. And I wondered, is that his magic trick? You know, will he just appear? <laughs> So I, I didn't, I had too much to think about. I couldn't, I couldn't wonder where the magician was going to rock up um, and how he was going to reveal himself. That sounds strange. So time was ticking on. I redid my makeup, put my slap on, got changed because you get ever so hot and sweaty running around sort of lugging cutlery and crockery everywhere and plates and setting up and the, God, the amount, I think I did 15,000 steps in sort of six, four or five hours because it's just constantly going from one thing to the next, doing jobs, you know, telling 15-year-old boys what to do, and then running into the house, making sure the kids are okay, making sure the bride's happy, makeup's doing its thing. Do they need more drink? Do they need me to steam a dress? Like, you just, when you're coordinating, you, you're, you're not just a coordinator, you're just doing everything. But then at the same time, I had to be aware that I was doing ceremony. And I find it quite difficult to go from, like, bam, 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 10 things a minute, constantly on the go, coordinator to, you know, relaxed, welcome to the ceremony. <laughs> That's not really how it sounds when I do my ceremonies. I do them in an accent. Um, so come three o'clock, um, things start ramping up because the guests were arriving for 3.30 to 4. And inevitably, people get there early. But luckily, I was there to greet them all because no one else bloody was, were they? And um, I was like, oh, I'll just go and, grab a, go and grab a drink from the children behind the bar. <laughs> um, and it was all very relaxed and chilled. And the clouds were coming over, but it was fine. Um, you know, I kept looking at the weather. I was like, oh, no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And then the guests were arriving and it was all getting very jolly. Um, and then it rained. It rained. It was, it, it was biblical. Animals were pairing up, canoes were drifting past. It was so heavy. It went from absolutely fine, glorious sunshine to like torrential rain. And I was, oh Christ. So I ran through the rain, through the field. Oh my God, I sound like something from Jane Austen, don't I? I ran through the field with my correspondence. I ran through the field to the house and the Laura was there, the bride. And I said, look, what do you want to do? And she was like, 
they're so relaxed, they're so chilled. And she was like, to be honest, let's just hold off. Like, I'll come down, we'll have some drinks. I don't need to make an entrance. And then when the sun comes out again, we will just all run out and do the ceremony and then come back in. And I was like, I love that idea, perfect. Let's do that. So then I ran back down to the marquee and then the sun comes out and it's glorious. And everyone's checking their apps and they're telling me that it, that's it. There no more rain till the end of time. It's safe. So Peter, the groom's arrived. All the guests are there. About 100 guests. About 20 children. <laughs> it was carnage. But it was beautiful because it was an English countryside summer, in theory, wedding. Everyone was dressed colourfully and, and wonderfully and the drinks were already flowing and it, the music was in the background and it was just such a really nice, relaxed atmosphere. It was really joyful, you know? Um, and so I ran back to the house again and I said to Laura, look, sun's come out, it's going to be fine, let's stick to our original plan. So they were going to jump in the car, Laura, her sister, her dad, and then the four bridesmaids, flower girls, really. Um, and they were going to jump in the car, drive through the field to the marquee, get out and then walk down the aisle to the ceremony space under the oak tree. Are you with me? Are you still with me? Yeah. And um, so I go into the marquee and I grab some of the ushers, you know, physically. And I say, right, let's start seating everyone. If you could get everyone to walk down through the field to the oak tree, to the ceremony space, and then we'll begin. And at this point, we were running on time because the ceremony was due to start at 4.30. So everyone starts meandering down to the ceremony space. And I look out the other side of the marquee and the car's coming. So Laura's coming down in the car. And as they park the car for her to come into the marquee to then walk down the aisle to the ceremony space, the heavens opened. Even more biblically, biblically. There weren't just animals and pears. There were people. It was just... I can't explain it to you. It was so ridiculous. The weather was absolutely absurd. So within 30 seconds, all of our 100 guests, including 20 plus kids, were running from the ceremony space back up the hill, back through the field, into the marquee. Laura was in the marquee, so I had to shove her out the other side of the marquee to get back in the car and hide. So she's in the car she's in the car hiding with her dad and four flower girls who are like children, like between the ages of three and seven, um, all thinking it's very exciting and I'm sweating from my upper lip. And the groom runs in and everyone runs in and they're all absolutely drenched. And I just say, right, guys, everyone grab a seat. There was no sort of table plan. There were no set tables. There wasn't even enough seating inside for all the guests because the idea was that it was pizza and nibbles and, and it would be sort of finger food and they could sit down inside or sit down outside and they could stand. And it, there was no formalities as such to the day. So everyone rushed in soaking wet and they're sort of just stood around. And I'm like, right, we're going to do it inside. We're going to do it inside. So I have to tell the, the musicians to come in. They have to rejig all their kit. Um, the bride's trapped in the car. <laughs> The sound of the rain on the marquee roof is so loud. I am, if I'm honest, loving it. It was such a fun atmosphere. It was, it was like, you know, a classic English barbecue when you're having a wonderful time and suddenly it starts to rain. You've all got to run inside and it's really funny because it's still warm, but it's raining and the kids are wet. And it was just chaos and it was just absolutely brilliant. So I announced on the microphone, right, everyone, 
we're doing the ceremony now. We're doing it inside. That's it. And sit down if you can find a seat. Stand if you can't. Sit on the floor. Grab a drink. We're kicking it off in five minutes. So we decided with the photographer, Nell Malia. I think that's how you say her name. I'll tag her. She's brilliant. She's Bath-based. Um, because when it's last-minute change of plans, you've got to rely on everyone to just be, like, on it and to just be up for the chaos. Because if you are too adamant on the original plan, then you're screwed. You're, it's going to panic you. You know, that could have completely thrown me, but I just thought, oh, my God, this is, this is madness, and I love it. It's brilliant. So as people stood up, as people sat down, there's tables everywhere. There's no order to the, the tables and the, to the marquee setting. So the photographer says, why don't you stand in the middle? Because there's no clear aisle. There's no ceremony space as such. So stand in the middle. I was like, brilliant, brilliant idea. So it's still raining, still pouring. So I go to run out to the car and say to Laura, right, come in when you hear the music start. And we're going to, uh, the aisle is just going to be wherever you can find it through the crowds of people. Let the flower girls lead the way and come into the middle. And you'll see Peter and me there. So I go back in. And I make the announcement, you know, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Things have changed plans slightly. <laughs> the, the weather has completely changed our plan. And I assure you that this surrounding is gorgeous. And hopefully when the weather stops, you'll be able to appreciate it all. But for now, we're going to do the ceremony and we're going to do it inside. It's going to be magical. If you can't see, move. If you haven't got a drink, grab one. Let's do it. And then the music started. Laura came in. And we, she and I and Peter were stood in the middle of the marquee, surrounded by people. The four flower girls were sat on the floor, cross-legged in their sequined skirts, holding their flowers, staring up at the bride and groom for the whole ceremony. And it was, God, it was joyful. It was absolutely wonderful. And we did the ceremony and that went down an absolute treat. And then the music kicked off. The drink started flowing. The food, the food was all from uh, West Coast Pizza. They did the most incredible cheese boards and arancini and salads and things to start with, sort of grazing platters. And then later on, they did the pizzas. They catered for all dietary requirements. They were so, so good. They had a man come with an old-fashioned ice cream cart, which was brilliant because throughout the day and the evening, it went from sun to cloud to rain. It was absurd. It was an English summer wedding, for heaven's sake. It was literally like a movie it was exactly the chaos and madness and ridiculous weather that you would want and um the teenage boys were running around doing anything I told them to do it was glorious it was such a fun occasion the kids were running everywhere and you know you know that ordinarily I do not like kids at weddings and generally I stand by that but this style of wedding was perfect with the kids the kids made it the bride and groom have got two of their own. It made sense for everyone to bring their kids and for kids to be running around. They had a face painter. They had a couple of nannies. They had a bouncy castle. And the kids were dancing to the band. It was just brilliant. It was all so relaxed, so informal. Because of that, it did require a lot of work on my part. So as soon as I finished the ceremony, I was constantly cleaning plates, clearing glasses, clearing rubbish, reorganising chairs, making sure everyone had what they wanted, sorting out the band, sorting out the DJ, sorting out the food, the pizzas, all the rest of it. 
the magician turned up, didn't he? Oh, hello. Just walked in. There wasn't any poop of smoke or anything, which is a little disappointing. He was actually bloody brilliant. And he turned up wearing a very nice suit and a boating hat. He looked like he'd been at the regatta, you know. But he didn't, he didn't look like your average magician, sort of in his 60s. But he was, a, he was a lovely chap. And actually, his magic was brilliant. What was very fun was the, the, the crowd itself, the guests, because they were sort of half Irish and half Australian, you know it was going to be boozy. And it was just so fun. Everyone just was in such high spirits. It was brilliant. I did have to wait at least three and a half hours to hear an Irishman say, go on, go on, go on. Which was, I was upset I had to wait that long, but ever so glad I got to hear it. And it was organic. I didn't have to ask him to do it. He and I were, were with the magician. <laughs> Sounds suspicious. And the magician did a joke or something or a trick or whatever. And he went, go on, go on, go on. And I thought, this is wonderful. If I could get him to say potato, then the whole day is complete. And the day went on and it was more clearing and more laughter and more chat, and more bloody rain. I didn't leave till gone 10 p.m. when things were starting to wind down. The thing about having lots of kids at weddings is that inevitably it sort of ends earlier than you might think. So by 10 o'clock out of the 100 people that were there, there were probably only 30 left. But that's actually what they wanted. The bride and groom wanted that. They wanted just a few people left at the end. They knew that was going to happen and they were more than happy with that. Um, and then I'm, I'm told now that they didn't sort of finish up till about 2 or 3 a.m., but they'd got a fire pit and it was just sort of background music and they were just sat around drinking beer and chatting and and listening to music around the fire pit and it was beautiful. It was a lot, it turned into a lovely summer's evening um, and it was wonderful. It was just the most glorious day. It was just so joyful. And it's so, it's so funny because people people get so anxious about the weather on their wedding day. And I understand it, I do. And one of the reasons why I myself got married in autumn was because I didn't want to get married in the summer. A, as you know, because I, I'm a very sweaty person and I thought if it's too hot, that's not a good look. Um, but also because I didn't want to have to rely on the weather. You know, by getting married in autumn, winter, it doesn't matter if it rains or snows or sleets or whatever because you're not, you haven't got garden games and all that jazz. But then in the same vein, this wedding was, you know, in the middle of bloody August and it was absolutely torrential rain. But it almost made it, I think. It almost made it because everyone was just bunched in together in this marquee and the music was playing and the drinks were flowing and everyone was chatting and laughing and kids were running around. There was a dog running around. <laughs> they they owned it. It wasn't just a feral creature. And it was just so joyful. It was just such a happy, happy day. And I'm absolutely bloody exhausted from it. I've got a wedding hangover, but it was wonderful. I wouldn't change it for the world. I did what I do whenever I coordinate or plan weddings is right at the end before I leave, I just sit outside or I sit back and just sort of watch it go on in front of me. And I get this such this feeling of contentment and this feeling of happiness that I have some way helped create that magic that I'm seeing in front of me. To watch, to sit back and watch people have such a wonderful time and be so happy and joyful and the music and the lights and the, it's just, oh, best job in the world. Best job in the world. One thing I forgot to tell you as I was clearing, at one point, I just had one 
dirty, empty champagne flute in my hand and I sort of turned around to go and get more and then um, put them away. And a guest grabbed me and started chatting to me. There was a group of us chatting and then, and then he just sort of grabbed my glass, went away, filled it up and gave it back to me. <laughs> he was like, I assumed that was, you wanted another one, thinking it was my empty glass. I, I couldn't say no, could I? So I just, <laughs> so I just had to drink half a glass of fizz from some stranger's dirty glass. Do you know what? Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. The man got me a drink. What was I going to do? Welcome to this week's RSVP section. I had the most glorious message on Instagram. Now, if you don't already follow the podcast Instagram, you simply must. It is I'll Marry You Podcast. You can't go wrong, do you know what I mean? It really is. The story's in the title, isn't it? Um, but also my my business page is n- not that Olivia Coleman. Come on, you know that one, don't you? Anywho, I had the most wonderful message from Elle on my podcast Instagram page. And she writes, hi, Liv. Love, love, love the pod. Stop it. Thanks for making me giggle on the train on my way to work. It really does make my week. We got engaged in the spring and I've been listening since finding you on Spotify. Plug. (laughs) Absolutely love the content and hearing all about different hints and tips. I think I've listened to the guest list episode about eight times to confirm our numbers. Thanks. It really helped us whittle it down and actually who we like enough to be there. Then she put laughing emojis, you know. I love the recent episode with the full bride. That was fabulous. If you haven't heard it, go back. And hearing about the recycle scheme they do. I wish more places did that. It would have made the dress hunt much easier for me. We are planning a wedding on a tight budget, so a secondhand dress was always an option. But I totally agree about having the dress trial and experience. It's so special. I ended up finding a dress in the first shot, which made me cry. And it's and it's the one that I could not stop thinking about. I knew it was the one, but I couldn't afford it. Thank God for Vinted. <gasps> And many nights scrolling. I managed to find the exact dress, oh my God, and designer on there. And I'm giving it a second life within our budget. I'm so glad I went to try on dresses and have that special moment with my family. I couldn't agree more. Looking forward to hearing more. Please keep it coming. Oh, Al. Do you know what? I still find it very odd that anyone listens to this podcast. <laughs> so when people, when people message me, and not only do they listen, but they like it. It really does. I'll tell you, it really does mean the world. I absolutely love it. Um, I said to someone today, we were talking about the world of social media and I was saying how a lot of people get sort of really caught up on engagement and numbers and reach and, and followers and all that jazz. And I don't. I probably should, but I don't. I just think if I can make one person smile, that'll do me. That'll do me, kid. Um, Elle, thank you so much for listening, my sweetheart. And I love that about your dress. I never. Do you know what? People who are into Vinted are really into Vinted. If you haven't heard of Vinted, it's taken over. It's taken over the world. It's an app and it's basically, I suppose, what eBay used to be 10, 15 years ago. Um, and it's all secondhand stuff. Am I right in thinking they don't just do clothes? Like, I feel like it's homewares and toys and stuff as well. A bit like Facebook Marketplace, that's just taken over. And I'd never even thought of looking on there for a wedding dress. And the fact that you found the exact dress from the exact designer is mental. And that's incredible. And I'm assuming you got it at quite a discount. And yeah, you're giving it a second life. I love that. Love that. Because it's, I imagine it's exactly, well, it's, it is exactly the same dress. I imagine it's in great nick. And I like the idea that someone's worn that before. 
It's got a real story to tell, hasn't it? Woven into the threads of the silk is the timeless love story between bride and partner. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, my sweetheart. Keep listening and good luck with all the planning. And if you need anything, I'll try and be helpful. Thank you so much for getting in touch. Anyone, anyone who's got anything to say, please message me. Honestly, it really like, it makes me a little bit teary and it helps my imposter syndrome when I get messages from people. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world. If you find this podcast even remotely helpful or moderately entertaining, share with all your friends and family. You can DM me any questions, queries, if you want to share any stories on the podcast Instagram at I'll Marry You Podcast. Get in touch. I want to hear all your tall tales. See you soon. I'll Marry You is a podcast by Olivia Coleman. The music is Mr. Sunnyface by Wayne Jones and the show is produced and edited by Drew Toynbee.